Welcome to the ICU podcast. I'm your host, Callie, a registered dietitian living with interstitial cystitis. Each week, I'll be diving into hot topics in the IC world, giving others a platform to share their story, and I may even reveal some of my favorite nutrition tips. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now, let's get into the episode. All right. So today I have Jess Talbert with me. She is a chronic illness mindset coach. Welcome, Jess. Thank you. Yeah. So why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? Yeah. So like Callie said, my name is Jess. I'm a chronic illness mindset coach for high achieving women who want to feel really confident in handling their symptoms and flares without sacrificing any big life goals or dreams. Um, so I'm a big believer that we can still do all the things we want to do in life, um, despite our chronic illness. And I help women figure that out, have a better relationship with themselves and their chronic illness so that they can start enjoying their life again. I love that. And I wish I had known about like you or just anybody who does what you do. Like when I was going through all of this, I didn't really know that there were people like you out there until like six months ago Mm -hmm. when I first reached out to you. I don't even think it was that long ago. So that's amazing. How did you, how did you get to where you are today? Well, you know, I became the coach I am today because I as well, didn't know people out there that existed (laughs) in doing the work that I do. And I think that it is actually a super recent thing to have this chronic illness awareness and advocacy and teaching, um, people with chronic illnesses, how to, you know, really thrive, um, because our world's just not set up for chronic illness. Um, but it all started for me in 2012. Um, my mom was diagnosed with cancer and my world flipped upside down. And in turn, I started getting really, really sick. And it took me six and a half years to get a diagnosis, which is actually relatively a short amount of time compared to a lot of other people with chronic illnesses in that kind of limbo mystery patient stage. Um, And I found it really defeating, frustrating. I was very sad. I thought that you know, I was making things up in my head. Um, I was putting this on myself. There was a lot of unknowns that were really hard. Um, and once I got my diagnosis, it was really difficult to figure out what steps to take. And so I had to really realize that I was in charge of my own health. I needed to take control of the situation and figure out what works for me. Um, and through that journey, I learned how to communicate with family and friends, employers, how to relate to the world, find really um, connecting friendships and um, really piece together all the parts of my life that were lacking. Mm -hmm. And and the chronic illness that you were diagnosed with was Lyme disease, right? Yeah. So I have chronic Lyme and I'm also celiac. Is chronic Lyme different from Lyme disease? Yeah. So Lyme, you can get Lyme and it's typically you catch it within a certain window where you can take antibiotics and hopefully the infection goes away. Um, but chronic Lyme happens when you've had it more than three months and it's just this ongoing infection in your body. That's, um, there's no really 
cure uh, any kind of cure at the moment for that. So um, yeah, little different. Okay. So what do the symptoms look like for that? Yeah. Everyone's symptoms can be different is the thing. <laughs> we're, we're all used to hearing that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's definitely chronic Lyme is a really tough one. I think for doctors to help patients with, especially because there's different strains. So you can have a different combination of strains from other people, um, which makes all sorts of different symptoms like joint pain, rashes, weight gain, brain fog. Um, some people just become completely debilitated, unable to do anything. Um, just, you know, it goes on and on and on. <laughs> yeah. And with those symptoms, it's like, no wonder it takes so long for someone to get diagnosed. Mm -hmm. I feel like yeah. at first you probably are just like, oh, I'm overthinking this, mm -hmm. or is there really something wrong with me? Or am I just like mm -hmm. not eating a balanced diet, not getting yeah. enough sleep? Like, you know, is that yeah. like something that you went through? Oh yeah, totally. Or, you know, do I just have anxiety? Am I just grieving because, you know, my mom's sick. I even went to, am I having sympathy, you know, yeah, symptoms? Or, are you depressed? Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh my yeah. God. Or do I just have IBS? Um, mm. it, you know, it was just all these things. And I got really dismissed by doctors for so long because my symptoms were altogether really makes sense now, but individually when I didn't know what was going on, were very general and, um, easily just kind of dismissed. Mm -hmm. So the celiac can be picked up on a blood test, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So that one's not as complicated, but yeah, the chronic Lyme that had to be so frustrating. Mm -hmm. uh, so are you connected with other people in the chronic Lyme community? Yeah. Yeah, I am. I I've made a couple of chronic Lyme coaching friends through Instagram. Um, and then I have a really great relationship with my Lyme doctor and, um, she is hoping to put together some resources for my community, all of that stuff. So, you know, I think it's the kind of thing where when you have chronic Lyme, a lot of times you feel like the only person in the world with chronic Lyme. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's been amazing to see that through social media, it's just so connecting and so easy to find other people that you can relate to. And it's all about reaching out and finding that support. So just by having conversations, I've made some really great friends through Instagram. Yeah, no, I, I love Instagram for that. And mm -hmm. I think it's really great. I found a lot of chronic Lyme, but also people with endo or mm -hmm. POTS or Ehlers, Dan, Dan, I don't know, whatever that term is. I know that there's a lot of people that have it that mm -hmm. I had no idea about before. So yeah. I think social media is fantastic for people with chronic illnesses specifically yes. to connect with other people. It's so great to really just connect with at least one person in the mm -hmm. entire world that understands what you're going through. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think it's incredibly connecting and it's a great resource. And then there's also the not so great side of it. And, um, you know, just having to be mindful about who you're following, how they make you feel, how they're, you know, influencing your feelings about your chronic illness yourself, um, swaying you to try something 
you know, that kind of thing. Um, but yes, it is so connecting and so powerful. Yeah, you're right. And a lot of people in the IC community are very vulnerable. Um, there's so many unknowns with us and that kind of can lead to people wanting to try things that worked for other people. And the thing with that is not everything is safe for everyone. So if you're seeing something maybe in a Facebook group that you want to try, definitely run it by your doctor, make sure it's safe for you. And if it works, great, but just take everything with a grain of salt and really just use those groups to connect with other people who understand what you're going through. When did you know you wanted to be a chronic illness mindset coach? How long did that take? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I always knew I wanted to be some kind of coach. Um, I just didn't understand where it was going to go. <laughs> so I think I've always been the kind of person I love supporting people. Um, I love seeing people feel really inspired and ready to take action. Um, I didn't know if I wanted to be a coach, maybe some kind of personal trainer, uh, fitness instructor. Um, I just knew I wanted to make people feel really great and make a difference in their lives in some kind of way and make them feel really empowered to take steps forwards. Um, and I think that all kind of really stemmed from my mom getting sick and just seeing how she navigated that so gracefully and, um, really inspired me to, you know, really enjoy my life and be really grateful for all the awesome things and being able to be okay with all the not so great things in my life and also being able to take steps forward despite that. I just, um, she really inspired me in that way. And I feel like a lot of people really need that. For sure. <laughs> I feel really lucky to have been able to witness that and take that forward in my life. Um, and then I really dove into health because I was just struggling. So I enrolled in IIN to become a health coach and something just wasn't quite clicking in the general realm of health coaching. I felt kind of uninspired by just talking about days on a plate and, um, moving your body and, um, you know, self-care meditation, mm -hmm. all of that. I felt like it was a really saturated market and it didn't really inspire me. Um, so it wasn't until earlier this year, I had a friend say, you know, you have so much knowledge around chronic illness. Why don't you coach people with chronic illnesses? Um, and I just thought, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I really don't want to do that. I don't want to sit on phone calls with people and talk about, um, really heavy things because wellness to me is, um, really enjoying your life and being able to navigate the not so great stuff with that grace and with appreciation. And, um, so it, it took me a minute to wrap my head around that, but just, you know, June, July, I made the choice of this past year in 2021, I made the choice to really dive into chronic illness coaching and help 
people feel empowered and inspired by their diagnosis. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah. what, what does that look like? Like it, working with people with chronic illnesses, like how, how do you help them? So a lot of times it's kind of redefining your relationship to your chronic illness and rewriting the narrative that you have in your mind about your situation. So, um, knowing that there are, you know, you didn't ask for this situation and it can really, really suck. Um, and that's, that's just the reality of it. It doesn't have to feel great. You don't have to be grateful for your chronic illness. Um, but if you're constantly telling yourself that you're a victim, that your life is over, you'll never be able to do these things, um, that you like to do, you know, you just want to go back to be who you were before. And that kind of mindset snowballs in your mind a lot. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. Support groups are a huge example of that. (laughs) Um, and so it's kind of redefining that and knowing that, Hey, this may really suck, but I know I have my own back. I know I can get through this. I know that I've done it before. I can do it again. And even if my life looks different, you know, reaching all my goals looks differently than I originally imagined, I can still do that thing. And that's pretty cool. And I'm going to do, I'm going to take the necessary steps I need to, to get myself there. and would be proud of that. Um, so the first step is really kind of redefining your relationship to your chronic illness. Um, and then I really focus on finding the confidence to show up in the world as exactly who you are, because your chronic illness makes you completely unique, um, and special. And you've probably learned so much about yourself and, um, you know, that's something to be really proud of and something to show up in the world, not hiding, being embarrassed about, um, like not letting your chronic illness define you, but also not hiding it. Exactly. Yeah. Because you're a super cool person. Whoever's listening to this, you're super (laughs) duper cool person. And, you know, you probably learned so much about yourself. You would have never really explored, um, or maybe not until way later on in your life. And that's really cool. So, you know, being able to recognize that your chronic illness has given you this stepping stone to just be exactly who you are. And yeah, it doesn't have to define you, but when you show up with confidence, it doesn't define you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Also make a ton of new friends and yeah. really just connect with new mm-hmm. people. That's another positive thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think one of the biggest things I see in my coaching is people are just incredibly lonely and yeah. so, so isolated. Um, but when you start to really own your story and your diagnosis and feel more confident, it allows you to have those genuine connections with people. Um, and again, it doesn't have to define you. It doesn't have to be something you talk about, um, all day, every single day, it doesn't have to dominate your life, but when you show up authentically, your chronic illness is a part of you. So if you're not showing up really feeling confident in the fact that you've got your own back when it comes to your health, um, and being open about talking about it and confident with that, you're not going to be able to genuinely connect with people. And that's where I see a lot of, um, clients and, you know, people in my Instagram community 
can be in a room full of people, full of family, full of people they love and feel so completely alone. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's really, really sad. So help my clients through that a lot. Yeah. And you know, what sticks out to me with what you said was, um, just like with, I see it's such a, it's a condition that obviously involves your bladder and your pelvic Mm -hmm. floor. And a lot of people find that topic to be like taboo. You don't really, Mm. you're not really comfortable talking about it. Um, and, and I feel like that's, really the biggest obstacle for most of us. Um, cause I've had, I see my whole life and I didn't start really talking about it until I started my business over mm-hmm. a year ago. So like my, my friends and family had no idea what was going on with me mm-hmm. until I started talking about it. And then they actually were genuinely trying to learn more about it. And I was mm-hmm. like, I did not expect this from you guys. Like mm-hmm. everybody pleasantly surprised me. And I know that's not going to be the case with everybody, but yeah. I'm always, you know, really pushing people to talk about it more. And, and like you said, just show up as, mm-hmm. as this person with this chronic illness and not let it define you, but also don't hide it. I think yeah. that's really important for our community to get more awareness and to Mm -hmm. get more research to be done. I think that is like step one that really needs to start happening more. Totally. Yeah. And if, if the topic of your chronic illness and the specifics of it, like talking about your bladder or, you know, I've talked to people that have, you know, different things going on with their you know, their genitalia or whatever. And I understand that that is incredibly vulnerable thing to talk about. So showing up confidently around your chronic illness doesn't mean you have to disclose everything that's going on. Um, and you know, that's also really empowering to know that people can care, people can help you, um, people can support you and love you but you don't have to disclose anything and you can do that in a really kind way. It doesn't have to be like, there's this big wall up, you know? Um, but you know, you can navigate the conversations in a way that feels really good to you and feels like you're allowing people to support you, but you're not having to necessarily disclose. It's something that might feel really, really vulnerable. Um, just as a human experience, you know? (laughs) Mm, Yeah. So that's step one and step two, are there more steps to the process of you working with people? Yeah, I um, work a lot with my clients on how to start having those genuine connections with others, whether that is friendships, um, family, uh, finding a romantic partner with a chronic illness, how to date. Huge (laughs) topic that I'd love to dive into, Uh but I don't want to interrupt you. Do you want to keep going or do you want to take that path? (laughs) Yeah, well, we can, we can definitely take that path. Um, yeah, it's a really big one. I I get that question all the time is like how to go on dates with a chronic illness and you know, give me your best advice for people struggling with that. I I feel, and I did this for a really long time. Don't hide it. (laughs) (laughs) especially if you have dietary preferences, um, or just, you know, restrictions, anything like that, don't hide it. 
Um, and if you do, it just makes the conversation a lot harder after the fact. So just honesty, communication, being upfront about things, setting a boundary with kindness. Um, you know, I'd say just really don't hide it. It's probably my top tip. And, you know, if, if you're going to find somebody that loves you, you have a genuine connection with, they're not going to care that you have a chronic illness. They're going to want to be there for you. They're going to want to support you. Um, so if somebody's not able to hold that space for you and somebody is just, um, not making you feel great about yourself in any capacity, I don't care if it's your chronic illness or anything else, they're not the right person for you. They could be a really great person. Maybe it's not the right time in their life. Um, or maybe you're just not a great match right now, but it's just, just let them go. You'll find somebody you're so special. And that Mm -hmm. person's going to know that right away. (laughs) Yeah. Plenty of fish in the sea. It just might take a little bit to find the right one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And then I guess what about people who are dating somebody and then they develop their chronic illness and, mm-hmm. and that part, like, let's say for instance, with, I see people have issues with sex and like mm-hmm. pain, they get pain with sex or they're just mm-hmm. uncomfortable or their desire just isn't there anymore. And the partner is really like getting frustrated or yeah. they're questioning. I, or I know that my boyfriend, like we've been through this, like there was a time where he, you know, I was not into it. And then he thought that he was doing something wrong or he started Mm -hmm. questioning, like, is he not attractive enough? Or like, I feel like a lot of partners or spouses go through that. So Mm -hmm. how would you recommend navigating that? Yeah. Uh, again, I say communication is so important. Um, I think you and I have talked about this before, but there's so many other ways of being intimate with your partner. If there's something going on and and it feels really painful to have sex, then, um, I would really communicate that, um, and in a really kind and loving intimate way, it doesn't have to be like, don't touch me. I, this doesn't feel good. You know, um, I don't want to have sex, whatever it can be more of an open conversation and an opportunity for you to become even closer with your partner, which is an awesome thing. That's what we all want is to have that person that we can, um, talk to openly just loves us no matter what. And this is that opportunity for you. So really having open communication about what's going on in your body, how it's making you feel, how, you care about this other person, you want to have that intimacy. It may look a little different right now. Um, you know, what can we to do together to fill that void? How can we work together through that? Um, and then just, I think really involving your partner, if you feel comfortable in your doctor's appointments or just what's, what's happening, your thought process, your decision-making, um, will really help them understand the situation rather than taking it personally on, Mm -hmm. on their end. Um, so that's what I would say. What has worked for you? Um, yeah. And, you know, my boyfriend and I have been together for three years and it has been a journey to say, like, 
because I, I would always hide my pain. I would Mm -hmm. take my meds, not say anything to him. So he had no idea. And, you know, recently I was talking with a therapist in the IC community. Her name is Tasha Casper. She's really fantastic because she has IC. So it's like, Mm -hmm. great. And she, she was saying how the, the spouses, the partners, they don't, if they don't see it or if you don't tell them, then how are they going to know? Exactly. So I was like, oh my God, that is so true. Communication, man. (laughs) Yeah. And then ever since that, I was like, you know, I'm, I might be oversharing with him, but you know, we're at that point where it's, it, the communication is open. Um, it's still an ongoing conversation and, you know, I've learned the science behind things. I read this book called why pelvic pain hurts, Mm. and it's a really oversimplified explanation of (laughs) why your pelvic pain is, is hurting you and, and the connection between your brain and your body and and the pain that it's experiencing. Mm -hmm. And the thing that really stuck with me was if you are constantly in pain, that usually means you're in a state of fight or flight. Yes. Most of us have an issue just kind of getting out of that cycle. And when you're, when you're in fight or flight, your desire for sex isn't there because your body thinks there's a threat. It doesn't want to have sex. Like you're You're not not in the, you're not in a healthy place to reproduce and have it. Right. Exactly. So that really, clicked in my brain. And I was like, okay, so in order to get to where I want to be, I need to turn the dial down on my nervous system. And so ever since then I am taking Neurontin or Gabapentin. So that's my doctor told me that's the best way for me to, you know, get everything Mm kind of leveled out. And I've been working on stress management techniques and Mm -hmm. just doing my best because 26 years of, well, probably not 26, maybe like uh, 18 or so ish years. Cause as a baby, I don't think I was in fight or flight, but (laughs) I'm in this cycle for so long that it's, I know it's going to take a lot of work. So I'm willing to put the work in. It's just the patience. It tests you sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. You're, I mean, you're basically, I think this is a buzzword right now, but rewiring your brain. Yeah. You know, you've been in this, um, habit of being in this fight or flight, um, and for very valid reasons, and you're just retraining your body to say, Hey, thanks so much for helping me survive this far. I'm here in this world because you've helped me get here, but we can do things a little differently. You know, let's try this a little bit. Let's try that. Let's see how that feels. Oh, that feels really good. Okay. Let's do a little bit more of that. I don't have to hold on to this fight or flight, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that everyone with a chronic illness and any kind of pain could definitely work on that for sure. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of us, um, and this is me speaking from personal experience, but when you have an area of your body. So for us, it would be the bladder and the pelvic floor or your urethra, that whole area we'll Mm -hmm. call it the pelvic region. When you have pain there, 
even if it doesn't involve sex or if you've had a, a bad encounter, mm-hmm. it, your brain remembers that. And oh, yeah, it's if a you're not actively thinking about it, your body's or your brain's trying to protect you from mm-hmm. here on out from experiencing that again. So it might put up an additional wall. Yeah that you have to get past to really, you know, put yourself in the mood. Mm-hmm. And, um, that, that really can become tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy, but our brains are really just trying to protect us from any perceived threat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's okay. It's not going to change overnight, but I think the first thing is the recognition of what's going on. And that can actually release a lot of the anxiety and stress around it. Um, because you're allowing your body to say like, you know, wow, that was really traumatic. Thank you so much for having a protective mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to try something different today and I'm going to regulate myself through that. And I've got my own back and I'm here for myself. Um, yeah. And I can communicate my needs to my partner or, um, you know, my friends or my coworkers or whatever I need to do, whoever I need to talk to today. Um, I could do that. I've got myself, you know, totally. Yeah. It, it really is, um, a work in progress. So Mm -hmm. being aware is the first step and then just having patience. Yeah. Easier said than done. (laughs) And asking for support. You don't have to do this alone at all. (laughs) And that's something that I've, I've had to learn a lot recently, Um, I think I've always been a do it myself kind of person. So with my chronic illness, I can get very, like, I just, I I just have to, I just have to push through. And, um, I've had to really, really learn recently. I don't have to do this by myself (laughs) and that it's okay not to, um, be able to do it by myself. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's interesting. I, I just go back to the dating thing I've been single for five years up until recently and it's been totally different um surrendering to having that support and um it's been it's been great (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've had to just a few moments of kind of like oh my gosh okay all right I'm gonna let go a little bit and this this is really nice um a little scary at the same time, but (laughs) just going to communicate what my needs are and, and let that support happen. And it's brought me a lot closer with my partner, which is awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I love Mm -hmm. that. Um, so do you see a lot of like common themes among people that you work with? Mm -hmm. Like what would those be? Um, I see a lot of people, really, really struggling with their relationships. I think that's probably the most common thing. So, um, feeling really misunderstood by friends and family, um, not knowing how to talk to employers. That's a really big one. Um, not being able to, yeah, just genuinely connect or feeling like people resent them for always having to cancel plans or change plans or not stick around for the whole time. And, um, I'd say that's probably the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. And especially just, we had the holiday season and, you know, that's really big for people. It can be, there can be a lot of anxiety around 
having a big family gathering and your chronic illness and how to communicate and anticipating all these questions and Mm -hmm. um, not knowing if you're going to feel well enough and, and then having a big flare and it just all snowballs. So, um, I'd say definitely just connecting with other people and communicating is the common theme Mm -hmm. in my coaching. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like the employer topic. So how do you, mm-hmm. how do you go about navigating that? Yeah. So from personal experience, <laughs> um, I, I was working for a, a corporate company. I had a corporate job and I, I basically just realized I cannot hide this because I am wanting to show up as the best employee as I can be. And I wasn't able to do that. And I, if I was hiding it, then the relationship with my employer was just funky. You know, it was kind of like, I felt like I was hiding things. I was hiding. I was going to the IV room. I was hiding the fact that I was like in bed 95% of the time working. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just, you know, trying really hard to, get all of my stuff done. But some days I just had zero brain capacity to, to actually look at my computer and concentrate on something, or I was making little mistakes that I shouldn't have been making, um, consistently. So I was working with data, which anyone with a Lyme brain would know that data is your worst nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I just realized I had to have super open communication about it. And I just let my employer know, like, this is something that's going on with me. I just want you to know this because I want to be the best employee I can. I want to contribute to this team. I want to contribute to this company. And I'm trying to figure out how to do that um, in a way that supports me and you, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And she actually was way more understanding. I'm not saying that every boss would be this way, but she was way more understanding than I thought she would be. Mm -hmm. And she gave me the space and time to be able to go work from the IV room, um, and not book meetings during that time. And she would check in with me and see how things were going. Um, I I think I was really lucky, but she would, you know, adjust my workload if I really needed it just so that the team was working more efficiently. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So just that communication, you'd be surprised. Um, and just realizing that everyone has a life outside of the office and everyone has things going on. So you, you shouldn't think that you're the only person that something's going on in your life and that like you're, you're falling short because I'm pretty sure everybody feels that way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so it's okay to, to open up about it. You don't need to disclose your whole life, what's going on in your doctor's appointments, any of that. Um, but it is important to have that communication and your employer will appreciate that, I believe. And if they don't, there are so many other ways that you can make money, support yourself and support your chronic illness. Um, and I know it can, it takes a lot of work to find a job and, um, finding the right job. And if you're already feeling really low energy or not great or hurting all the time, I know that is a huge hurdle. I get it. 
But at the end of the day, if you find a job that works for you, that's going to take you out of that fight or flight even more. And you'll be able to feel a lot better about your finances, your career, um, your health, all of it. Right. And I'm thinking like if, if a boss or manager or whatever didn't handle it well, Mm -hmm. or they were, you know, just the reaction wasn't professional or they're treating you differently. Like that's something they can take to HR, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I would just say, you know, it's not a reflection on you. It's a reflection on them. They might be feeling really insecure about their job performance and, um, kind of being frustrated with their, their team or the people they're managing, but you just never know what's going on. Um, I, I feel like I had kind of a situation like that when my mom went into hospice, I was working for, um, the same company, but completely a different part of the company. And I was in the position of, I either needed to work remotely so that I could be with my mom or I needed to quit my job and find something else, but I needed health insurance. I needed an income. I needed to be able to pay for doctor's appointments. I needed to be able to do all these things. So I felt super stuck. Mm -hmm. Um, and my employer was not understanding of my mom dying. (laughs) So I'm not saying that every, you know, boss manager is going to react well, but if they don't, you are so capable of finding something else for yourself. I got really scrappy and I figured it out and I was able to find a remote job that allowed me to be with my mom. Um, I communicated about what was happening in my life up front. I said, I know you're about to take me on as a, as an employee. I just want to let you know, I have this situation in my life and I don't know how long it's going to go for. Um, probably not super long, unfortunately, but, um, I just want to be really upfront about that because honesty and communication is my number one value as an employee. And she really appreciated that. And she brought me on the team. Um, so, and it set the tone for our relationship, you know, so not every employer is going to react well, but just know that you are more than capable of finding something that is a good fit. Um, as humans, we're pretty resilient. We can roll punches and, Mm -hmm. you know, most people do have a decent support system. So sometimes Mm -hmm. you might need to ask for help or, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. you're not in a, in a place where you want to be, but things will most likely improve. So that's the thing to remember. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Okay. So the next thing I wanted to ask about was when people, let me set the stage. So with Mm -hmm. IC, the, the medical professionals. So like urologists, uro gynecologists, not everybody is up to par in terms of treating IC. Mm-hmm. We're just having the knowledge to interact with patients in a beneficial way. Mm-hmm. So how would you recommend somebody Um, who goes into a doctor and let's say the doctor like just really is dismissive and you know they're not 
listening to this person? Like, how, how do you recommend people manage that? Yeah. Well, (laughs) I, this is such a huge, um, huge topic. This is something that I, I talk to my clients about all the time. Um, I think that first of all, you have to realize that you're hiring a doctor to help you. If they're not helping you, they're not your doctor. Mm-hmm. Like don't, don't be giving somebody so much of your resources and time if they're not the right fit for you. And I know that's really frustrating because finding a doctor is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll save so much time and so much money by finding the right person. Um, and then really being able to walk into the doctor's office and change the dynamic. So I think we all feel like when we go into the doctor's office, we hold these doctors to a standard of having to know everything and being the person that's going to tell you how to fix your life. Um, and you know, they know best, they know better than I know for my own body because they're a doctor and yeah, they're super smart. They went to school for years and years. They know so much about the human body. That's incredible. Um, but they don't know everything that's gone on in your life, the kinds of traumas you've had, the kinds of experiences you've had with your chronic illness, what you've tried, what the reaction was, what worked, what hasn't worked, because there's no way they would know that because there's been no communication there. Mm -hmm. And, um, they see so many people in the day that they walk in and they read a chart and, you know, they give an assessment that way. So just changing the dynamic in being able to walk into the doctor's office and ask for exactly what you need, let them know exactly why you chose them, let them know what you've tried, what you haven't tried, why it's worked, why it hasn't worked what you're willing to try, what you're not willing to try. I mean, giving them direction is going to help them put together um, a plan for you that will be more effective, um, efficient with your time, efficient with their time. And if you are starting a treatment plant that you're actually wanting to do and feeling more motivated to do, it's more likely to have some benefit Then if you walk into a doctor's office and they're telling you something that you've already tried and you're frustrated and you already know it's not going to work and you just do it anyways, and it's probably not going to have as much benefit. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I I've been there. And I think a lot of people with IC get frustrated with Mm -hmm. doctors who really aren't up to date on IC stuff because it feels like we know more than they do. Mm-hmm. And that just feels really defeating because it's mm-hmm. like, okay, how many doctors in this, in, in the United States, like are true IC specialists? Like there's so many professionals out there that claim to be IC specialists and then people mm-hmm. go in to see them and they're recommending an extremely invasive procedure right away where yeah. we know that our guidelines say to start with managing mm-hmm. stress fix your diet, you know, mm-hmm. the, the non-invasive thing. Yeah. So it can be really frustrating for people mm-hmm. and, and that can mess with your head. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but being part of the conversation that's empowering, that's helping you. That's helping the doctor that's empowering. Cause yeah, it, it is, there's nothing 
more, I mean, I can even feel it in my body right now, like going into the doctor and having them suggest something that is super invasive or something that you're just, it's not what you were wanting to hear. Um, you didn't feel heard. There's nothing more like you just want to go to your car and cry than that. <laughs> oh yeah. I feel <laughs> you know like what I mean? been there. Yeah. Do you ever recommend people like prepare before they yes. go into the doctor, like write something down? Absolutely. Yep. I have my clients put together an entire plan before they go in to see a doctor. Um, so having a one page document of kind of your medical history, um, and then writing a clear goal. So goal for the appointment, um, why you chose to see this doctor, Mm -hmm. a, a summary of the things that have gone on, what you've tried, um, having a, um, folder with all of your medical records, test results, whatever you've gotten done, um, making copies of those and having it in a folder that you give to the doctor. So you have all the originals, make a copy, give those to the doctor. Um, and then I would also write on there, um, things you've researched, things that you've tried and why you're not willing to try them again, if they didn't work for you, things you are willing to try. So just really, really setting it up in a one, one or two pages typed up of you. This will really, really help the doctor. It will help you navigate the situation. And then when you walk in there, you can actually let that doctor know, this is my goal for the appointment. This is what I want to focus on today. I don't want to start at the beginning and do the whole thing. This is my history. Um, this is the goal for the appointment. So it just sets the tone and makes for a lot more efficient use of time. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Like that's like bringing your resume to a job yeah. interview. Like it's pretty similar. And I think mm -hmm. the doctor will appreciate that too. Yes. The doctor would, every doctor that I've walked in there really prepared has really appreciated it because they know exactly where to go with me rather than starting all the way at the beginning. And, um, that's hard for them. That's hard for them. They're seeing so many people and they have to start over and over and over again with every single person they see all day long. For sure. And they only yeah. get like 20 minutes allotted yep. to you. Mm -hmm. So you need to really make the most of that time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know that doctor appointments can cause anxiety for a lot of people. So yes. I think that is a really good idea mm -hmm. to implement. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Another thing I would really recommend as well. Um, they may not look at it, but send all of those labs, that folder of all of your medical history ahead of time. Mm -hmm. If they have a chance to look at that ahead of time, that will save you so much time, mm -hmm. um, in the appointment and they may not look at it, but at least you tried, at least you sent it, you got it in their hands. Um, so that's really helpful. Another thing that I find really helpful, um, for some people with chronic illness, they get the same like blood test, say, say blood test every single month or every quarter or whatever it is to check levels. If you've been getting the same test done over and over and over and over again, I think it's really worth making a super simple Excel spreadsheet of, okay, January, that number was this February was this so that you have it all in one place where they can just see the trend rather than having to flip through each 
lab result and piece it together in the appointment. So they'll have those labs for the details, but you can give a very specific, simple overview of the trend line. Yeah, it's really helpful too. I think with technology advancing, I I know that the hospital that I work for, they have labs just like that Mm -hmm. in their system. So hopefully that starts to get better. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that a lot of people with IC have anxiety going into appointments where they know they're going to have to get an exam. So the doctor might be going in with like, think, think like a gynecology visit. They go in with the speculum. They maybe they're not, but they're poking around and people, you know, get really nervous about that because Mm -hmm. if that's the source that's the place where your pain is, mm-hmm. then yeah, you're going to get all worked up about it and you might even put yourself into a flare. So totally, is there a way to kind of navigate that? Yeah. Um, well, if you have anticipation of that happening, um, I definitely think taking some time to be okay to cry about it, be really nervous about it. That's okay. That's totally okay. You have this trauma response. And that's a traumatic thing, especially if you have pain down there, you've had previous appointments that haven't gone well. It's okay to be anxious about it. Don't hold it in. Um, and then just know that walking into that appointment, you can communicate exactly how you're feeling to the doctor. Um, I just did this recently. I had to get checked for colon cancer because I have a really strong genetic line of colon cancer. And it was incredibly scary for me because my mom died of colon cancer Mm -hmm. and, uh, they were going to just have me go in myself. My boyfriend was going to have to wait in the lobby and then pick me up after the whole thing. And I communicated to her right away. I said, Hey, I'm probably going to cry. This is incredibly (laughs) traumatic for me. Um, I have this really, I have this history of trauma around this specific thing. Um, this is really, really hard for me. And I just want you to know that, um, I'm going to need a lot of communication. I'm going to need, um, you know, some handholding special attention, whatever it was. And they accommodated me the whole way through and made me feel a lot more comfortable with feeling anxious and feeling sad and feeling scared, all those things. So I would say you have every right to tell the doctor, Hey, this is incredibly vulnerable for me. I just want you to know, um, you know, I, I'm going to need you to let me know what's going on. Um, yeah. Like walk me through something. it. Like, tell me what's yeah. going on exactly when you're doing mm-hmm. it, because I have had a doctor who did not do that. And yeah. I did like, that did not feel good. So mm-hmm. I actually just like fired mm-hmm. him in my mind yeah. and I yeah. just to see somebody else because that's not worth it. That's not mm-hmm. worth all that anticipation. Yeah. Um, and well, it's the same thing too. It's like, even when you were talking about, um, you know, when we were talking about dating and whatnot, you can't expect somebody to know what your needs are unless you communicate it. Right. I mean, and if you communicate that and they don't respect that, then they're not the doctor for you. Yeah, exactly. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel like it's, if you're really that worked up about it and it's causing you to 
you know, go into a flare, then you mm-hmm. can always ask your doctor, like, Hey, is this exam really necessary? Yeah. Um, maybe if you're somebody with a history of like sexual trauma, yeah. then, you know, you can always just ask, there's no yeah. harm in asking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. or you can even ask your doctor, how can we do this differently? Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe you can't, maybe there's no other way, but it's worth asking that question um, of saying, is there, you know, is it, how can we do this differently? Is there another way that we can, um, go about this? Um, you know, these are my needs. So just having that communication, then you can work with your doctor to find a happy medium and they'll have more empathy for you. They'll be able to, um, come into the appointment with a better, um, energy or maybe more kindness, more gentleness. Maybe they'll get to know you. If they see you multiple times, they'll see your name coming up on their patient for the day. And they'll be able to take a moment to themselves to walk in, in the way that you need, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And I just remembered, I recently saw a TikTok that it, I think it was a gynecologist who was making this TikTok, and she was saying how, you know, you don't, and I, I honestly don't know like how accurate this is. Maybe it's different state to state. I don't know. All I know is what this person said on TikTok. Um, so basically like if somebody was not comfortable getting like the typical, um, I, it might've been like a pap smear or something like that, or some type of test that they needed to get like a swab for. Yeah. She said like, if you, if you say you're not comfortable with that, like there's a way for them to kind of talk you through it and you can do it yourself. And I, I thought in my head, like, I didn't know this was an option. I, I never, ever would have thought that. So, you know, her making that TikTok was incredibly helpful. I hope like millions of people saw it because, you know, that just kind of opens your, your brain up to, you know, there's other ways to get around this and there's Mm -hmm. not one way, or you Mm -hmm. don't have to do it the way they want you to, you can, you know, ask questions. Yeah. Yep. I thought that was never know until you communicate. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and before we run out of time, I wanted to ask, um, do you ever have people who are really honed in on the root cause of their Mm -hmm. chronic illness? Mm-hmm. because with IC, we don't have a known cause. And I find that a lot of people can become even like obsessive about how their illness was caused. And sometimes if they perceive it as, let's say they had too much champagne and that maybe triggered their, their IC, like they can feel guilty about that, or they can wish that they hadn't like they, you know what I mean? They feel a sense mm-hmm. of like regret or, but the thing is, there's no way that they could have known. So mm-hmm. what would you say to those people that are kind yeah. of in that headspace? Yeah, I get it. It's frustrating, super frustrating. Um, I, I feel that I, um, I, w- I think I was in that for quite a while. Um, and I think that my life became really rigid because I was so scared of having a flare and I needed to figure out exactly what was causing it. So I get it. Um, and 
it makes sense that you would want to know so that you don't have to feel icky, feel pain, any of that. Um, but I just started looking at it a little bit differently and thinking about how can each flare be a learning opportunity for me to know for the future. So thanking my body for letting me know that something wasn't working. Um, that's pretty cool. You know, yeah. Yeah. bodies are really smart that way and it can still really suck to go through it, but your body is trying to communicate something to you. And it's just an opportunity for you to, um, assess what was kind of going on in your life, whether that was maybe a trigger food, champagne, stress, um, maybe an argument you had with somebody, or you just, you know, a, a close call with a car accident, whatever it was, mm-hmm. um, it, you can kind of think back and use it as a learning opportunity for, okay, in this kind of situation, maybe drinking the champagne sometimes is going to be the choice I make because it's something that I really want to enjoy this moment with friends, but I just know this could be a possibility um, for me. And I've got my back through that because I made this choice for myself Um, or knowing next time it comes around, like that was not fun. I did not like that. I think I'm just going to say no, thank you. And it doesn't have to be any bigger of a deal than that. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, so just using flares more as a learning opportunity and I get the root cause. Um, I really do. I don't know with certain chronic illnesses or, or maybe with like blood, blood sugar imbalances, that kind of thing. Um, sure. Finding a root cause can be really helpful, but there's a lot of unknowns with chronic illness and there's a lot out of our control. Um, finding the root cause. I don't know, um, if that's necessarily the most productive for you rather than just figuring out your body, um, what works, what doesn't work and how you can learn from each flare for the future. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I, I feel like it's understandable as a human yeah, to want to totally. know, but don't waste your time too or too much of your time, you know, yeah. on that and just focus on how can you make things better moving mm-hmm. forward? Yeah. And yeah. you know, every single person is different. So mm-hmm. what is somebody else's root cause is probably different than yours. Yeah. No, you we have I mean? tons of theories for root causes. Like we mm-hmm. have genetics, pelvic trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, we have autoimmune disorders, diseases. It, there's so many different things that their scientists are proposing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we don't know. And that's yeah. the most difficult thing. And I I've been through that. Like every few years I reflect and I'm like, Oh, did something happen? Like I literally like a couple months ago, asked my mom, like, mom, I'm not going to be mad, but did somebody drop me when I was a kid? <laughs> and did I fall like on my butt or something? Like, could that have been a trigger? Mm-hmm. And like, she's like, no, I don't think so. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, then uh, there's no point in me really reflecting on this since yeah. I've had it this long, but you know, for people yeah. who develop it later in life, it might be a little bit easier to pinpoint, you know, was there something that happened? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I, I could really dive right into that forever, but yeah. Um, yeah. Is to wrap this up. Is there any, like what, 
what advice, if you could give one piece of advice to somebody with a chronic illness that was just diagnosed, what would that be? You don't have to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. I know that it's overwhelming. Um, and you're probably already really exhausted from just trying to find a diagnosis and you're just starting your journey. I know that's overwhelming and just know you don't have to do it by yourself, but the way to not do it by yourself is to ask for support. So having that communication with your loved ones about how they can specifically support you, exactly how they can support you, what you need, if they need to buy you groceries, if they just need to sit and watch a movie with you, they need to call you twice a day, tell them exactly how they can help you um, and accept the support when it comes along, you know, be grateful for it. And um, if you feel guilty, like you're putting people out, anything like that, they would communicate with you if, it, if they weren't able to do something. Um, and you can even set that up. You can say, if, if for some reason you're not able to do this, please just let me know. Let's have that communication. I care about you. Um, so ask for support. You don't have to do this alone would Love probably that. be my top tip. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, yeah. Where can everybody find you on social media? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Jess Talbert. I've been doing a sale. Um, so I do have a 90 day group or sorry, um, one-on-one coaching. And, uh, right now for the first, well, for the month of January, probably I'll be offering a huge discount on my coaching. So it's 90 days with me. Um, we meet once a week and then you have email support from me throughout the rest of the week in between. Um, and I make specific resources for your specific situation. Um, and you know, it's a good time. It's a really good time. I love that. Life-changing. Everybody Everybody who's listening needs to follow Jess. She puts out so many awesome posts and reels. And (laughs) I'm always like, how did you even think of that? So you're, you're fantastic. Um, and I feel like we've become such close friends the past and just, you know, me talking to your crowd and you talking to my crowd, like it's really like mutually beneficial for all of our communities. So I thank you so much. All right. Thank you all for listening. Um, Jess is amazing. Definitely give her a follow. If you liked everything she talked about today, And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, please rate me five stars. That will really help get this thing off the ground. And yeah, I will talk to you all next week.